Well, in the three plus decades of ministry, I have received more nastiness anonymously than I have goodness anonymously. Jesus has something to say about that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your love, for your grace, for your compassion and kindness and mercy. And on and on we could go, O Lord, as we extol the greatness of your character, your person, the greatness of your person, the majesty of your immense love for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for his teaching. Thank you for his instruction. Oh Lord, I pray that our hearts will be inclined to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ today as he delivers to us truth for life. And may we not only listen, but may we put into action what we hear, oh Lord. So I pray this morning, Father, that as we quiet our hearts before you, as we have gathered to worship you in, in expressing our praise through singing, as we've come to express our worship and needs through prayer, now we express worship by hearing and heeding your word to us. And for this, we ask the Spirit of God to empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. So nobody likes phonies or hypocrisy, at least in other people. We seem to regularly tolerate it in ourselves because often we're blinded to its very existence. When I was in grade 13, yes, there was a grade 13 back in the dark ages. <laughs> I like grade 13. I'd like a return to grade 13. I didn't like kids leaving so soon. These kids were what, 17? They're just babies still. They need that year. But in grade 13, which is interesting because, um, you know, we've thought, oh, there's been such a decline in things, but my grade 13 English teacher assigned, I think, an inappropriate book for us to read, uh, Catcher in the Rye, which is not uh, advised reading for Christianity. But in that novel by J.D. Selinger, the main character is Holden Caulfield. And he thinks, in, in the book, it, it builds a case for his cynical thinking toward all adults, that all adults are hip, hypocrites. The irony is that he himself is a massive hypocrite, which is usually how it works. But one of the statements he makes is very helpful for us to think through what Jesus is going to teach us in the Sermon on the Mount section this morning. And he, he stated this in that novel, if you do something good, then after a while, if you don't watch it, you start showing off, and then you're not as good anymore. Grammatically, that's not great, but that's the way he said it. 
Performance and success tend to corrupt people. In almost every and any setting, instead of denying ourselves, we mostly fight the urge to benefit ourselves. And we know as Christians we're called to, to deny ourselves, but we fight this urge to benefit ourselves and regularly give in to ourselves. If we're not vigilant or discover we have wrong motives, we make almost everything and anything about ourselves, especially the things that are meant to be about the Lord. We get clever at this. We're easily self-deceived. We title something that we're doing, we entitle something that we're doing for God. But in fact, the real title of it is for me. Too often. So the next section that we're going to look at in uh, Matthew, Matthew 6, if you want to turn there, the next section that we're going to look at is the misuse of good things, like charity and prayer and fasting, heart-growing things. What we're looking at today and for the next two Sundays after today is the paradox of public religion. And why I say the paradox of that is because it's to be kept in private as much as possible. So how, how, today we're looking at how to do acts of righteousness so that our own heart expands. How to take the gift of Christ's righteousness and act upon it. How to take the grace of Christ and make it our behavior. That's what we're looking at. Doing right things the right way for the right reasons. How you take what is inside of you and take it public and honor the Lord at the same time. Now, we, we've started out this series with sort of a, a foundational theme that Jesus gave us in Matthew 5, verse 20, whereby he said, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the seminary professors, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I inserted seminary professors for teachers of the law because that, that's, what they were, that's what they were. Surpassing, the right, righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees. So your righteousness must surpass self-made righteousness because it comes from Christ, but your acts of righteousness must surpass self-serving. Your righteousness must surpass that that is self-made which is not righteousness at all, but your acts of righteousness must surpass self-serving for them to be of any value. See, um, performance in the kingdom of God is so popular because adulation is so intoxicating. We love to impress people, put on a show, because we love to be praised. We're always or often circulating in our hearts and minds in our acts of righteousness. Do I look good to people? Will people think I am good? Will people tell me I am good? Do I need people to tell me I am good? 
The truth of the matter is what we're involved in, what we are in Christianity, it's, this, this is all about the glory of God. And we fight our old nature constantly for it to be about the glory of self. But we aren't called to performance. We aren't called to praise. We're called to be perfect. If your Bibles are open, I want to start our reading this morning at Matthew chapter 5, actually, verse 48, because it's a hinge verse. It hinges into the next section. It opens the gate to the next section that Jesus is about to preach. It's a segue, a transition that Jesus makes into this next section. So you have to read it that way. Because otherwise, it, when you read it from verse 43 and on, it looks like, where did this come from? It just came from nowhere. It's a transition statement that Jesus is making. Keep in mind, we've taken apart his sermon. It's like, it's like I, if I spoke a paragraph to you and then we all went home. And then I come, we come back and I speak another paragraph to you and we all go home again. So it's a little awkward doing the Sermon on the Mount the way we're doing it, but it's necessary because you aren't prepared to stay for a month. But Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, now it moves on. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of God. So, this first verse in chapter 6 is really, um, is really an introductory verse to the next things that Jesus is going to teach. So, we've got a hinge verse from be perfect, which means to be complete, to, to grow in likeness of Christ, to be a finished product. This is the goal of Christ in our lives. This is the goal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus is instructing us on the kinds of things that move us toward being complete in Christ. But, and the first verse that he uses here now is, a, is an introductory verse for the next section of what he's going to talk about. And what he says is this, that your righteous acts might actually become unrighteous. It's possible for you to be thinking you're doing righteous things and they're actually unrighteous. Beware. Now you remember the past section, Jesus had said, his introductory statement was always, you have heard it said, but I say. In this next section, he's going to say, when you do such and such, do not do it this way, rather do it this way, okay? So that's what the, the structure is going to look like. When you do such and such, 
Don't, whatever you do, don't do it this way. Rather, do it this way. So watch for that. That's how he's going to teach us. But he starts out with this introductory where righteous acts might actually become unrighteous. If you are doing something for me, meaning you, uh, rather than for the Lord, then Jesus says, I won't be impressed and I won't reward you for that. You may be self-deceived this morning thinking that your righteousness is being rewarded. In fact, Luther wrote this, our righteousness can be more dangerous than our sin. That's an interesting statement. Because we're talking here this morning in this section about Pharisee righteousness. And there are some hints as we go along. Notice here, be careful not to do your, that word, your, acts of righteousness. Your righteousness versus Christ's righteousness. Now, all of us who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as a reminder of our doctrine, understand and know that we received the gift of the righteousness of Christ. So that when God sees us, he sees us in Christ. So what we have in us is Christ's righteousness. We don't have any righteousness of our own. The righteousness of our own, according to Isaiah 64, 6, is viewed by God as filthy rags. In Christ, Christ's righteousness Working its way through us is what Jesus is now talking about. But in this case, the hint is, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen. Notice the next phrase, to be seen. This word is um, the word that you use for theater, theatrical. This becomes, literally, Jesus is saying, you must not do Theatrical righteousness. And what's theatrical? You go on a stage and you show off you, so people can see you. This is what he's talking about here. Don't do this. You know, public righteousness is the most deadly form of good works because it can come from a wrong motive. It can come from the wrong place. And what, he's talk, what Jesus is going to talk about in... in um, our gifts of charity, our prayer, our fasting. He's saying, to, he's saying to us that it is possible for our acts of righteousness to be, to be dramatically noticeable. We begin to hope that someone is listening to us. And this morning, the temptation for each of us is to sort of take out our laser pen or whatever we have and aim it at somebody else and say, this is for you. This is for you. And we say, none of this is really for me. We need to all heed this. We need to listen to this. Acts of righteousness done to be dramatically noticeable. To be sure, we were made to notice and be noticed by God, to be sure. Pay attention to a little kid when they're, when they're, when they're young. What, what's their behavior like? They're like, watch me, daddy, right? It's always that, watch me, mommy, watch me, daddy. 
They don't really care about all the other parents in the park. They don't go in the, normally, unless you have a very precocious kid, but normally, you know, kid in the park, you know, goes on the swing doing marvelous things, like, watch me, daddy, watch me. Because that's how we were made. And, and what Jesus says here is, that's good. That's good. Keep that practice throughout your whole life. Watch me, daddy. Not watch me, everybody. But watch me, daddy. We were made to, to notice the Lord and be noticed by him. Jesus talks about rewards here. God is watching us and is watching our actions. Righteousness is not to be theater, Jesus says. Otherwise, you get your 15 minutes of applause and that's all you get. But you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, some of you are saying this morning, wait a second. It's not possible for us to do all of our acts of righteousness in secret. Exhibit A. Yeah, here I am. And that, that's true. In fact, earlier in his sermon, Jesus has said in verse 16 of chapter 5, in the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So what are we, is Jesus in conflict now with what he's talking about? He's telling us, do your thing in secret so that you'll receive your reward from the Lord. But on the other hand, he's saying... Let your light so shine that men might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What, what is, what is the, 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 the deal here? What's Jesus dealing with here? Jesus is talking in verse 16 of chapter 5 about works that are seen to bring praise to God. Versus works that are seen to bring praise to us. And Jesus is making it up to you. Your motives. Search your own heart. Ask the hard questions of your own life. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this to bring praise to God? Or am I, bringing this, or am I doing this to bring attention to myself? Honestly, is this seen? Is this to be seen, to be applauded, to entertain people, or to actually represent the gift of Christ's righteousness in my life offered to people? You can ask yourself some probing questions when you're engaged in acts of ministry, acts of righteousness. Do I get bothered when I don't get my own way? Do I need to have it the way I want it to be? Wait a second, it's not about you. It's for the Lord. Otherwise, you might be wasting your own ministry bandwidth. I've had to make, I mean, I've made a whole career of this. 
I have a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about here. Of asking the hard questions all the time about motive. Day after day. Sunday after Sunday. I have to get up here and ask the question about motive. Before I come up here, there's prayer that goes on in my heart. Lord, may, may this be all about you and only about you. Because there's a necessity for public ministry. But your heart will play tricks on your mind if you're not careful. Because your heart is deceitfully wicked. It battles. It tries to convince your mind that of course you're in this for God. Of course you're in this for the, the, to, to, to bring praise to the Lord. Of course you are. That's why Jesus is urging us here, where possible, go private. Where possible, go private with your righteousness. It will clarify your motives. So, we are called to shine the light of Christ that men might see by our deeds and that Christ is real and bring praise to the Father. We are called to that. But Jesus now goes into the possibilities for our private righteousness. And we're gonna look at one of them this morning and that is this. Verse two, so when you give to the needy, According to Jesus, there are three things that are better done in private. One is charity, the other is prayer, and the third is fasting. Again, prayer can't always be in private. We pray together. We have public prayer in the church service. The question is, are you showing off with your prayer or actually talking to the Lord? But that's next week. So the, th the third point that I wanna deal with this morning from this section is, is the practice of good deeds of charity it should be done in secret. Interestingly, to the Jews, the first, uh, the, the same word for righteousness, tzedakah, is the word that they used for almsgiving. Literally, they were saying when, when people were giving to the poor, were helping the needy, were giving alms, they were literally saying that's a tzedakah, that's a, a righteousness. And so that's why the translators here have called it acts of righteousness. It's righteousness. And interestingly, Jesus uses this in it, at the, the front of his list. When you act righteously towards someone in need, Jesus places this at the top of the list because it was at the top of the list of God's people through, throughout history. Responding to the needy is at the top of the list of the Lord's heart. That's important for us to note. And he says, when you give, 
Not if you give, it's expected of us. When you give, it's expected of us to do this. But do not do it a certain way, rather do it this way, right? That's, that's the structure that he uses here. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with triumph. High priority deeds need to be done in a high humility way. Because the act of giving to someone in need is to lift them up, not to lift yourself up. That's the whole point of giving to someone who needs something. It's to lift them up, not to lift yourself up. It's, it's not... It shouldn't be fanfare, look at me, a political photo op, or some sort of trumpet sound. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. He said, do not announce it with trumpets. I'll try not to make you sick of that. (laughs) And then Jesus says this, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. (laughs) Okay, guys, I know you like it, but that's it. (laughs) Apparently, that's what they did. Apparently, they made a big show of it so that people would say, look at, look, at, look at him. Isn't he amazingly righteous? And here's the thing. Jesus calls them hypocrites. And if you, you've heard this before, but hypocrites means actor. It's an acting. So the original word meant to, to act. Now, a lot of people like to say, oh, Christians are just hypocrites. You ever hear, heard that? Has anybody ever said it to you? Christians are just hypocrites. They use it entirely incorrectly. We're not hypocrites because we sin. Anyone who says that they don't sin is not telling the truth. Truth is not in them. We're not hypocrites because we sin. Hypocrites means you're acting like something you are not. And you know it. You're doing it on purpose. The Pharisees that he's talking about here in the synagogue were trying to look righteous when in fact they were not. They were trying to act righteous when in fact they were not righteous because they did not have the righteousness of Christ. They they did not have Christ. uh, In fact, they were ignoring Christ. They were moving, they they were discounting Christ. Hypocrites are outed by their craving for self-glory. No external or internal trumpets. Don't do it, guys. And Jesus then goes on to the next sentence, or or completes the sentence by saying, and on the streets to be honored by men. And you know what word he's using here? The word for glory. To be glorified by men. Doxa which is reserved for God alone, right? So he's talking here about these actors making a big show of their righteous deeds of charity so that they could receive glory from people. 
Everything about this is completely wrong. It's completely turned upside down on its head. But Jesus is warning us. That's the scary part about this. Is Jesus is telling his disciples, don't be like them. He, he's not, he knows they're listening. The Pharisees were listening. They were listening to all of his teaching. But he's not pointing to them and saying, stop doing that. He's saying, don't you be like them. Which means it's very relevant for us. It means it's possible for those who are disciples of Jesus to take on this persona and do the same thing. So the warning that Jesus is giving us here is very, very important because anyone who steals glory from God for themselves is actually acting satanically. That's what the enemy of our souls, that's what the evil one does. He has sought to take glory from the Father and give it to himself. Self-glory is insidious. It's deceptive. It steals praise from the Father. When you're doing your acts of charity, you shouldn't want a plaque. You shouldn't even necessarily expect a thanks. Most of the social justice that we see around us is entirely hypocritical. It's entirely charged with political intentions. If you watch, most of it is, hey, look at me and what I'm now doing. Just so it earns political points. It's not coming from the heart. It's not real. It's to gain public accolades. It's to go up in the polls. It's not real. It's not genuine. Jesus teaches us here how to do it genuinely. And here's what he suggests. Notice. I tell you the truth. They have the, received their reward in full. They've gone up in the polls. They've received praise. They've been glorified by people. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Isn't that good? So how difficult is it for you to do good things and remain anonymous? How difficult is that? That's what Jesus is proposing to us here. Now, since acts of righteousness are core to those who have acquired the righteousness of Christ, we need to ask ourselves three important questions. What are you doing? 
Are you taking the gift of Christ's righteousness and stewarding it in private so that you will not receive glory, but Christ will? Are you, is that how you're acting for the sake of another? And you have to ask the question, why are you doing it? So not only what are you doing, but why are you doing it? Are you doing your righteousness for the sake of the Lord or because you have some need to be thanked, to be applauded, to be thought of as a righteous person? In, in the temple, in the Israel, Israel, temple of Israel, there was a, a room called the Chamber of the Silent. And when people made sacrifice of atonement for their sin in the Old Covenant, when it was a gift of money, they would place it in the Chamber of the Silent and then go away. And those who had fallen on hard times were invited to go into the chamber of the silent and take what they needed. So that there was no exchange between a person and another person, knowingly, the gift literally came from God to those who were in need. And God was praised. Jesus is is pressing this on the new covenant community whereby our acts are this way. So, so what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And how are you doing it? Quietly, secretly, to avoid fanfare, to avoid personal glory? Are you able to do that? From the pure righteousness of Christ, pure motive, Christ compels us to help those who are needy because of who we are, not so we get any Fanfare, but because of who we are, we, we just do, we do that. We're called to do that. And here's the thing. If you are doing it for yourself, you have your reward in full. Congratulations. 15 minutes of fame. The praise you will get from those you've impressed is all you're going to get. But if you are doing it for the Lord, your reward is also from the Lord. What what is this reward? Is it monetary? Probably not. The reward that the Lord offers here or that would be suggested here is the reward of being perfected in his character. Listen, remember the context. Jesus has already said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is the reward to those who truly love Christ? To those who have truly been granted the gift of Christ's righteousness, which transforms us into the likeness of Christ. Isn't our reward being more and more like Christ? Being made more and more into the image of Christ? That's the prize here. That's the reward. We get the presence of God and the perfecting work of the Holy Spirit. And of course the eternal reward that sits before us. Because keep in mind at the very end, all of our acts are going to come under the fiery 
just, justice of God, the, the judgment of the Lord. And whatever we've done that is just wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. But whatever is of gold and precious metal and will not burn, will survive. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Acts of righteousness done in secret for the glory of God because of the pure motives of our hearts as righteous in Christ are seen by the Lord and will be rewarded by him and our lives change. This is how transforming work takes place. This is how the Holy Spirit makes changes in our lives. In our obedience to the Lord, motive matters. And he changes us. It's a harvest. This is what we call the harvest of righteousness, growing in God's character. God sees muted righteousness. He does not see what is already a dazzling gong show. He does not. So if for some reason you are addicted to personal glory and throwing glory around at one another, how are you demonstrating the reality of God? It's interesting, Jesus already has pointed this out. In John 5, after Jesus was once again being challenged by the Pharisees and noting that they think that they have salvation by their attention to uh, the uh, Torah and to the, the prophets and the law, he says to them this in John 5, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? That's a powerful question that Jesus asks. And he asks it of us this morning who may be addicted to our own significance or insecure for whatever reason, always needing applause, always needing to be recognized, always needing a thank you, always this, always needing to be noticed. The righteousness of Christ is a gift that has been given to us, not because we deserve it, but because God is gracious. We are stewards of Christ's righteousness that we might not boast, not to take any glory to ourselves, but that all the glory might go to the Lord. So we are traffickers in the righteousness of Jesus, not to receive applause and recognition, a plaque, but that our God and the grace of his righteousness acted out in people, for people, might summon glory to God that he might be praised. If you have Christ's righteousness, you can't help but do righteousness. But if you're doing the real thing from a real heart, 
you can't help but desire only the real reward that comes from the real righteous one. He is our reward. Our Father, a very simple and understandable truth, but one that is very difficult at times for us to enact. We so crave attention. We so crave to be significant. We so love to be recognized. We so love to be praised. We're so needy, O oh Lord, and we go to the wrong places for those needs to be met. Your word is quite clear to us that if we go to other people for our recognition, that's all we're going to get. But if we do things purely for the sake of your glory and even hide from ourselves, left hand, right hand, finding a way to not even really register what we're even doing ourselves so that there's no, not even any internal fanfare. Hey, look at how wonderful I am. Then, our reward is from the Lord. You perfect us in the character of Christ. And your presence is, is, uh, visits us in a powerful way. And you prepare for us rewards in heaven. Oh, Lord. May we seek attention from you and you alone, I pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I don't know how far back the tradition goes, but in churches like ours, we have our offering envelopes are numbered so that no one knows what anyone else is giving. It's practical application to the left hand and right hand. How, how important is this to Jesus? I mean, he says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's you. That's an extreme statement to make the point that this righteousness, acts of righteousness, should not be a public issue for your own recognition and glory. And I don't think it's a stretch in the application to say that anything that we're doing in ministry at all that is somehow visible should be anything different than our offering envelopes we should kind of all act like we're just a number an anonymous number seeking the glory of God the, how it goes doesn't need to go my way it doesn't need to be how I want it it's not, it's not for me it's not so that I can enjoy it it's, this is for the Lord what we do is for the Lord. And we need to check our motives. Otherwise, the recognition that we're getting is all we're getting. I don't know about you, but I find the reward of the Lord far more superior to anything else that could be offered by a human being. So 
Jesus is not embarrassed by saying, I will reward. Do your acts of righteousness, but just do them so that the Father in heaven receives the glory and not you. That's what we're called to. Have a great day. God bless.